You may be seated, and good morning, church family. So I have a couple things to announce first. Uh, Luke is in Michigan, as you can see that he's not up here, but uh, he is celebrating his dad's 80th birthday, and his mom is like, I can't say the age, uh, but she's having a birthday this week too, so he went up there to visit with them, and they asked, his dad asked him to preach there, so no vacation, <laughs> but what a good gift. See, I'm gifting this to you. See? Happy birthday. There's another... Okay, moving forward. All right. Uh, there's a couple of commercials I got here, a couple of announcements. Um, if you have your bulletin, we will, at the end of invitation, we'll go through our church survey. If you're a guest with us, feel free to stay. But if you're a guest, you don't want to fill out this survey, feel free to leave. We will not uh, stop you. Uh, but what we will say is if you want to find out what's going on, we're uh, having a survey of our commitment of the church for building. And uh, that survey is going to be presented by Ron Moffat. So that's the commercial. And I'm supposed to stop early. That's why he wanted me to preach. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to beat the Methodist Church the taco joint today. Okay. Okay, only two of you want to beat them. Okay, I want to beat them every week, but all right, no, I'm, that's too far. Okay, uh, this is what I want to tell you. There's a lot going on. You know, the hardest thing I had to deal with this week is I slept with my earbuds in, and I got a pimple in my ear, so <laughs> I'm just getting that out there. It's irritating, but I want to tell you guys that we all have two things, Okay. This is how I heard it. We have two things. You have fire retardant liquid in one hand and gasoline in the other. And there's a flame and there's a fire going. Which one are you going to use? All right, let's put the fire out. Let's stop feeding it. Let's stop watching. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. If you know exactly what I'm talking about, let's be those people that extinguish it. All right? And uh, here's the cool thing. God's on our side. I've... In 2 Kings, there's so many awesome things that Elisha gets to do. Elijah was his mentor, and he did, uh, they recorded seven things, and then Elisha gets a double portion. Guess what? Times two of seven. Somebody's. Good job. All right. All of my junior hires are connected right here. Everybody else, adults, catch up. All right. So Elisha does 14 cool things. One real cool thing that I'll share with you. And I shared this with my family. There was an enemy going around and sending raiding parties to Israel. And every time the enemy would go into the camp, the Israelites would be gone. And they're like, what? Send another army. So they send another raiding party. Send another army out. They go into the camp, gone. And the king, the enemy king said, all right, who's, who's snitching us out? Who's on the, their team, Right? That's logically what you think. Every time we have a plan, we get there, they're gone. Guy in the king's court says, hey, they have a prophet in Israel, and he tells them everything you plan, even what you're planning in your secret chambers of your bedroom. What? So you know what the enemy's best idea? Let's go kill that guy. But if he's already got all of your plans and he already knows them all, what can you do to a man like that? What can you, you can answer in your own head. Okay. So Elisha 
and his servants are on the town of Bashan, and the army comes and encamps around them. They're going to kill this prophet. And he steps out of his tent, and his servant's there, and the servant's just like, look at this army. Oh, uh, what should we do? Let's run. Let's flee. Let's, they're here to kill us. And Elisha, the prophet, goes, calm down, for there's more with us than there are with them. And the servant looks at his, Elisha and is like, what? There's two of us against the whole army. And the prophet prays, Lord, just open his eyes. And the servant looks, and there's chariots of fire and horses of flame and fire on this mountain. Like, you coming at us, bro? You coming at my prophet? More with us than with them. No matter what it looks like. And, and that's just some of the fun things that's in 2 Kings. We're going to go over another one. But I just want to tell you guys, God's got it. We're, we're supposed to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. So we're, we're prepared, right? God's got us. How many of you know? All right, shaking some heads. Okay, that's, that, that's our first sermon for today. There's five more, so hold on, okay? Uh, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 7, and we're coming right into the middle of a cool story that I'm going to give you two verses of, we're going to stand and read it, but there's a backdrop of what's going on. Israel is under attack by another army. So let's stand, let's read these two, and we'll call this our jumping off point. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 and 2 says, but Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold a shekel. A seah is like seven quarts, all right? This is a shekel. This is something minimal. This is like a day's wage. Here we go. So a two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Verse 2, then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, this is Elisha said, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Father, speak to each of our hearts that the siege is over, that you have us, that you are our rock, our refuge, our shelter. Everything that we need, Lord, is in you. It's for you. Speak to us. And Lord, especially to the captive, the ones behind bars in their hearts and in their minds. Release them. Let them know that Jesus is the year of Jubilee. We can be set free through Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you for your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so I'm about to give you a, a rating on this. I, I read verses 1 and 2, but there's going to be like a PG-13. So if that's not an age of someone in here, then you, uh, parents, I'll let you decide. But it is in God's word, and this is where I got it. Uh, it was like 18 years ago we were studying through this, but we were doing it with a junior high boys' Bible called Grossology. 
and it was awesome. I mean, there's some whoa things in here, but the boys will love it. So, and I still love it. That's why I'm preaching it today. Um, Okay, so what's really awesome is to see the gruesome, but then also to know that that's not what God wants. And when you see the gruesome and your stomach is going to turn, and that, that should happen, but understand that God is intentional in putting this in his word, because when our stomachs turn, we need to know how important it is to listen to his word. If we don't follow him, we're going to be sick. We're going to be twisted. His word says it, and so, bless you. Whoa, that was live on Facebook right there. Okay. Everybody, grab your Bible and grab the one in front of you in the chair. We're headed now to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. And if, I know some of you have a personality that if something's in your hand, you can't pay attention. I get it. But if you have an open hand, grab a Bible. You need to walk through this. You need to underline some things. Okay. There should be one. If not, pass it down. There you go. Move about the building. Get yourself a Bible. Yep. Don't come to work without your tools. Okay. All right. Chapter 6, verse 24. We're going to jump in and see what's going on. It says, Afterward, Benadad, king of Syria, so this is Israel's enemy, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, did you hear that? A donkey's head is being sold for food because the enemy army has besieged Samaria. They have surrounded it completely, and that means nothing in, nothing out. If you come out, you die. Nothing comes in. They're eliminating food supplies. They are going to do this for about seven years. There's going to be a famine. How do we know that? Elisha sent a widow away with her son saying it's going to get worse. Get out of here. So, okay. I keep going. I'm going to rabbit trail a lot, but I'm going to tell you this. $650 for a donkey's head to eat it. I mean, I wouldn't... Ugh. Okay. Now, when we start talking the, a quart jar of doves dung, right? Understand this, that there's two ways to look at it. It's a shuck, like a shuck of corn that's been so dried, it's nasty, it's really good for a fire. That's one way to look at it, just dove's dung, or it really is dove's dung. They have already eaten all the birds. This is how starving the people are. They're surrounded, and they're eating nasty things, okay? And don't read on, because we'll get there. All right, but just telling you, like, this is getting really bad, and this is going on for a while. And then 626. Now... As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my Lord, O king. Now I underline that in my Bible, verse 26. Help, O Lord, O king. This is the Hebrew word for the Greek word that we know and we will sing in Easter. You know what it is? Yeah, you were here? Yeah, it's Hosanna. How many of you have heard that word? It means save us now. So the king is walking by on the wall and she yells out Hosanna. Now in Hebrew, it doesn't sound like Hosanna, but it's the same word, it's the same interpretation. 
You imagine with me for a second. This is a king. All of his people are starving. And he hears the word Hosanna. He's got nothing. He absolutely has nothing. Now, when you fast forward and you think of the New Testament, you think of Jesus hearing those words, and they're saying, Hosanna, save us now. Hosanna, save us now. And they're like, would you tell your people to shut up? And they're telling Jesus, tell your people. You shouldn't say shut up, kids, but it's in the Bible. Okay, so he says, tell them to be quiet. And he says, even if they stop, what will cry out? The rocks. Hosanna. Why? Because that's the king that has it. That's the king that can save. That's the king that can set free. That's the king for every starving person that has been surrounded, cut off, breaking, hurting. That's the king that sets you free. That's the only one. This one, he doesn't have it. Have you cried out Hosanna to Jesus? Save us now. And that king, he responds to this lady. He says in verse 27, If the Lord will not help you, how shall I help you? Now, he's not wrong. If the, but he didn't hit his knees and ask God. Okay, so he says, From the threshing floor, which is where the grain would be, or the wine press where we'd have our juice, the king asked her, like, what can I do? There's nothing. But nonetheless, tell me your troubles. So he says, what troubles you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, give me your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Now this is sick. This is why I gave you the rating. But all the boys, I can see you love it. Yeah, you're like, what, they ate a baby? Yeah, that's Austin Powers where they get it, okay? But notice it's sick. Now think of the wisest king. He had a baby before him. And he said, cut it in half and give them each a piece of the baby since they're arguing. There was wisdom there that God gave him. This king, what does he do? He tears his clothes, it says in the next verse, which is a sign of mourning, like he can do nothing. He tears his clothes, and he's in mourning, and he's like, there's nothing I can do, and then he keeps walking on the wall. I mean, if, if, I, if you come to the office tomorrow, and you said you ate a baby, like, I'm going to pray for you. Like, <laughs> this king didn't even... Let it sink in how nasty this is and bow his knee to God. And just so you know, this isn't a surprise to God. Leviticus tells us in God's word, in his law, that when you do not listen to him, guess what? And I'll, I'll read it so you know it's not my word. It's Leviticus 26, 27 through 29, but I'm only going to read... The three verses. Leviticus 26. If you're cool and you got it on your phone and you're on the Bible app, it's already there. Another commercial. Love it. Okay. Moving on. Leviticus 27. It says, But in spite of this, you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me. Then I will walk contrary to you in fury. This is God. 
telling every single person that has an ear in this place, if you're not walking with God and you're walking contrary to God, God's going to walk contrary to you, but in fury. That we should quake, church family. And he says, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. Here's everybody's minds. I'm going to tell you, go to Revelation. How many sevens are there? There's discipline. All right? 29 says this, Leviticus 26, 29. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. It's sick. When we walk contrary to our God, we're ready to sacrifice our children. When we walk against God's ways, we're ready. To, and, and this isn't just eating like, oh, I, didn't, I never ate my kids. Like, that's weird. Okay, but I, what about abortion? What about the voice of the unborn? We want to sacrifice them for whatever we want. What, what about letting someone else teach them, letting somebody else deal with them, letting someone else discipline them? Do you know that when we walk contrary to God and God walks contrary to us, guess who suffers? You, we just read it. It's your kids. Parents, you don't have to devour them. The enemy is ready for that. Did you hear that, parents? We don't have to devour our kids. When we're not walking with the Lord, guess who's ready to? A roaring lion seeking and walking around whom he may devour. Oh, man. I got to walk with the Lord because I got to keep the lion off my kids. Right? But through Jesus, that lion has become toothless. You follow me? This happens in seven. God says there's going to be sevenfold if we don't follow him. But he does it in four ways. All right? Deuteronomy 32:24 says it that this sevenfold against you will happen four ways: hunger, plague, pestilence, and beasts. Sounding like Revelation again? And it starts with the house of God, church. Judgment starts at the house of God. Revelation doesn't start with, hey, all you wicked people, listen up. God's coming. What's it start with? Who's that? Who's the churches? Are we walking contrary? Are we walking with them? We're going to see it in our kids. We're going to see it in our youth. It comes down four ways. Sevenfold, God himself. You know, the king that's walking along the wall, he rips his, rips his clothes and he has sackcloth under there and he lets everybody see that that's a sign of mourning. That's a sign of repentance. That's a sign of saying like, that's wearing clothes of saying I'm sorry. But he doesn't say he's sorry. He doesn't repent. He doesn't hit the ground. He says, okay, king of kings, you're the king. I've messed this up. This whole kingdom is a mess. Look at these people. They're a mess. He doesn't repent. You know what he says? Where's that Elisha? I'm going to take off his head. I'm going to take 
the head off his shoulders. And you know what? He doesn't repent. He looks for the prophet. And this is where we come into the next part of the story. He even says, makes a vow in verse 31. May God do so to me, which is eat him be eaten. May God do so to me, and more so, if the head of Elisha, the son of the Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Verse 32. Elisha. So the king's after him. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king, who said that, take off his head. He dispatched one man to go do this. Got it? So the one messenger... The king dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Remember, Elisha, he already knows every time someone's coming at him, he knows, the, he knows your plans, he knows your secrets. Do you think you can send a man to kill him? No, so Elisha goes on, he says, look, when the messenger comes, shut the door. Hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet, the king's behind him. So here comes the messenger to take off his head. Here comes the king right behind him. And Elisha hears his feet too. And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came down to him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? All right. I want to share this with you. This is what I fall into the same trap. I've prayed, I've talked to God, why should I wait any longer? I'm just going to do it. Oh, I've talked, I've prayed, I'm not hearing any answer, I'm just going to continue, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. This is the same thing, the king comes and says, I'm going to take off your head, that's why he's here, but he's like, I have prayed and I've waited, what's the big deal now? I'm just going to move. The king is done waiting, and at that moment, Elisha says in verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, 24 hours, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate, at the gate that they're surrounded with. This is why the general is speaking. You can see the king is like leaning. He just ran to Elijah. He's leaning on a general. And in verse 2, the general the captain whose hand the king leaned on said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But Elisha said to him, what? You shall see it with your eyes, but you'll not eat of it. Do you know what? This captain does something that we're all in danger of doing. We mock God's word. He says it twice in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen up. This is what God says. What should follow next is our obedience. And yes, you know what follows? Murderous vows. No, I won't. Rebellion. Hard hearts. You know, when you hear the word of the Lord, the humble say, yes, Lord. When others hear the word of the Lord, you know what they say? I resist it. I don't want anything to do with it. And they harden their heart. Just like the captain when you go against God, God goes against you. Do you want to be set out against him? Now, 
Every circumstance in our life is going to try and tell you that God doesn't love you. Every circumstance in this world is going to try and tell you that the besieging around your heart and around your mind is just God being cruel to you. Don't believe the lie. He sent his son to die for you, and he loves you right where you are, and he wants to set you free mentally. He wants to set you free in your heart. He wants to break away the chains. Uh, Psalm 107 says, when we cry out to the Lord in our prison and in our cell and in our troubles and in the gates of death, we cry out. He comes in and breaks the bars of iron and sets us free. And you know what? This is a message of freedom. He says, listen to the word of the Lord. Tomorrow in 24 hours, we're going to have some food in here. And we're going to sell it for cheap, and it's going to be amazing. Forget the donkey head and the dove dung. And, and you know what? How many of them praised? Goose egg. None of them said, hallelujah, the word of the Lord is he's going to rescue us. This is the word, church. And the whole world is dying to hear that they can be set free. And we're, we've got to beat the Methodists. Let's get out of here. Are we concerned? Do we have a concern that we have the message of the Lord? What should we say? Yes, Lord. The very time he's speaking, nobody praises. Nobody even says, hey, God's coming. Hey, God's rescued us. They go to bed. And you pause there, and it moves to four people. Four lepers and they're outside of the camp. Lepers can't even come into the besieged area. They're just sitting at the gates. And they start to reason within themselves. You know what they say? Man, if we sit here, we're going to die. Nobody has given us any food. They haven't had any donkey's heads or dove tongue. They're the last. Somebody's supposed to feed them out of alms and kindness. You got it? If I'm starving, what do they get? So they, if we stay here, we die. If we go into Samaria, everybody's starving there. We're going to die in there. Why don't we just walk over to the enemy camp that's surrounding us? We walk over there. The worst they could do is kill us. We die, plan A. We die, plan B. The worst of plan C is we die. Let's go check it out. Let's go tell them we surrender. Maybe they'll just feed us. You get the logic? Four people start walking towards the enemy's camp. And you know what they found? If you read ahead, you know. But they found nothing. Now, they, they found everything in the tent. They found gold. They found silver. They found clothing. They found no people. Because, like, you could either think as they're coming, the whole army hears another army coming. And they're like, uh-oh, They've sought uh, allegiance with Egypt, and they're coming down to kill us. They just threw everything off and ran away. These four lepers are pillaging. They say they go into one tent, and they grab gold, and they grab silver, and they grab clothes, and they go and bury it in the ground. They're like, yeah, man, this is awesome. I mean, you imagine even the, like, the brisket is still warm, that meat butter, and they're just like, woo, we haven't had this. It's meat butter. Okay. So you can imagine their excitement. And you know what? You know what the danger is? They could say, hey, 
those idiots in there never gave us any food. We, we might as well, let's just, let's just keep this for ourselves. I mean, how many of you would be tempted? They never gave me nothing. I'm not doing Okay, I'm the only one that's going to raise my hand. Okay. I'd be like pillaging every tent. But in verse 9, 7, 9, it says, they reasoned again. They said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning, until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Do you get that? So they're pillaging. They're like, guys, if we wait and don't tell anybody, we're going to be punished. And they run and tell the king. And they, they go to the gate, and they're like, hey, nobody's out here. Come on out. Come on. And they're like, the king wakes up, it says, and you know what he thinks? The first thing? It's a trick. It's a trick. They've all just hidden off a little ways. When we leave this city, they're just waiting to kill us. Didn't he receive the word of the Lord? Why is he believing a lie? He's got the word. He knows God's going to do it. He can't even take his heart there. Now, right, God can do it? What? No, 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 no. Don't send anybody out. And somebody in his court is at least reasoning, like, at least send some scouts out. The only thing that, that will happen is they'll die. At least go check it out. So they sent five horses and two men. And I know that doesn't add up, but I, when you think about it, like, they're sending... the away the last five Big Macs out of the camp, you know what I mean? And, and they're probably so dilapidated, they only brought two back. You know, like, oh, this horse is dead, because it says they rode for 25 miles, because it went to the, the Jordan. They rode 25 miles to just see clothes and things as they're trying to carry stuff and run, and then they're like, forget it. Can you run 25 miles carrying, like, a suitcase? I won't even run down this aisle carrying a backpack, you know? So there's just stuff strewn all out. What was the word of the Lord? Tomorrow there's going to be food in the gate. Somebody doubted the word, and he said, you know what? You doubt God? You'll see it, but you won't taste it. The king told his guard, that same one that doubted, go down to the gate and try and control everybody that's about to run out. Let's read it, because it's awesome. The captain, this is 719. The captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Do you think it's important to listen to the word of the Lord? Oh, but help my brain when I think God can't do it. Why do I doubt him? <laughs> he sent four lepers and a whole army fleas. What can he do in your life? This is evangelism at its finest. Four lepers. And this is how it's been said to me. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Church, that's what we are. 
We're desperate for Jesus, each of us. There's nobody in here that's perfect. We're all a work in progress. We're all working on something. We need grace for each other to work together. Tell another beggar where they found food. The last part of this. The siege is real. The enemy surrounds minds, hearts, our children, our lives. They want to devour us. And I don't know where you are, and I don't want to pretend to know. Some of you I do know. But it's overwhelming. And I find hope still in the scriptures that for those that are overwhelmed, marriages, relationship, children, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read this. Verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, and this is Paul writing this, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. And listen to this. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Do you hear that? Second Corinthians verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. Burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. The siege is over. The burden can be around each person, each heart. Verse 9 says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you hear that? The biggest lie out there is God's not going to give you more than you can handle. What's the scripture just say? I got more than I can handle. Why? So I don't rely on myself. I have to rely on the word of God. The word of the Lord says he is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He walks with us. He's your friend. If you have a burden, lay it down. Get rest. Get hope. Get Jesus in your life. Cry Hosanna. He will come in. He will rescue you. He will save you. Do you believe the word of the Lord? Then why are we quiet? Go out and shout it on the mountain. Shout, And I, I'm him. Yep, I am. And not because I'm angry, because I'm excited, because I've been set free. Church, we need to live set free. We need to declare there's a king that can set you free. Okay, I'm the only one excited about that. Hear the word of the Lord. We're living in a time where we're trying to make God into our image. And when we do that, that means God has to accept me for who I am. So I'm trying to make God into my thoughts. God said... Jesus is the standard. I'm far off from that. And God, I'm trying to mold him into my image, and God says, no, the only way is the King Jesus. That's it. And then God comes down, his perfectness comes down, and he molds you more into like Jesus. The siege is over. 
You could be set free. You cry out, Hosanna. We're going to have the band come as you guys, uh, everyone else, please bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to have a moment here. Has God laid some truth on your heart from his word? Have you heard the word of the Lord? And have you obeyed it? Are you walking contrary to the Lord? Have you been through a famine? Pestilence, plague, or beast? Just feel devoured? Run to him. Father, we thank you as we have our hearts bowed to truly hear from you and speak to us. Help us to run to you. You're the only way in which any one of us is set free. And Lord, we are besieged. We can be besieged mentally in our desires and in our hearts, in our lives, our addictions. But Lord, the enemy is also wanting to encamp further. Help us to see in your word that when we're with you, there's nothing else. To be in your presence, to be set free and living and communion with you is the greatest place to be, the safest. Thank you for being our refuge, our tower, Lord. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, church. Let's sing together. And somebody make sure Ron Moffat.